I'm glad to be with you. My name's Jacob. I'm one of the pastors here, and today I want to tell you about a box <laughs> and a bucket, and I'll start, with the, I'll start with the box. A couple of weeks ago, I was uh, heading over to my parents' house. When I got there, they were cleaning out the garage, and when I got there, my mom hands me a box. Now, this is not the first time this has happened, but I thought that my days of getting a box from my mom out of the garage were over. I'm in my 40s now, you have to understand. And if you're still like in college or uh, haven't quite moved out of the house, what happens when you move out of the house is your mom will give you boxes just one at a time just to ease it into your place. She's getting rid of all of your junk and, and taking it into your house. So my mom gives me a box. I couldn't believe it. I thought I was done with getting boxes. And when I got home, I found some things that really, um, I don't know, gave me joy and helped me remember uh, times in the past. One thing that was in the box mom gave me was my first uh, baseball cap from my first t-ball team at the Mount Juliet Little League. I don't know if you can see it, but someone, maybe mom, has stitched my name into the side of the hat. So I thought like some of the craziness over sports uh, was just something that happened now with like the names and numbers on the back of cars. But no, 1985, moms are stitching names on there. I also found my first wallet, uh, which was pretty fun. It's one that I, I remember. It has Billy Bob on it. And some of you will remember a precursor to Chuck E. Cheese was this place called Showbiz Pizza. And I won the, the Billy Bob wallet. But anyways, there was all this stuff in the box, but mainly what was in the box mom gave me were cards and letters. It was just like filled to the brim with notes and cards and letters. And it was actually pretty cool. I found a card from my granny who's passed away with her handwritten note on there. It was super cool. I found notes from folks uh, that I'm still connected to, you know, childhood friends. And I took pictures of them and sent it to them. So they had to deal with the things that they were saying all those years ago. But the reason I'm talking about the box today is because there were not a bunch, but like three or four letters from this guy named Craig. Craig was my youth pastor when I was a teenager, when I was in high school. And I've told some of you about Craig before. If you're joining us and you're kind of new to Providence, I know we've had tons of people join us online that have never been with us. I only have like eight stories, and I tell them <laughs> over and over. So that's sort of my thing. I, I'd like to think I'd, I want to tell true stories and only have, sort of have eight uh, uh, good stories that I can tell, but some of you are like, just make some up, dude. Like, we've heard them enough. But anyways, Craig's in one of my eight stories, and I'll give it to you real fast. When I was 17, I stopped going to church. I'd grown up in church, and I just stopped going. I, I can't really tell you the reason. I got a job. I got a car. I just slipped away slowly. And Craig, who was my youth pastor, he came to my house one day. This is the story that I tell over and over. He comes to my house one day, and he goes into my bedroom. There was a door that went directly from the outside into my bedroom, which is a terrible idea. And Craig goes into my bedroom. We weren't home, which is called breaking and entering. And he goes into my room, and next to my bed is a yellow notepad, and this is what he writes on it, a quote. It says this, he not busy being born is busy dying. Love, Craigo. Now, that line, he not busy being born is busy dying, is a line from a Bob Dylan song that Craig knew that I knew. And when I read that in my bedroom at 17, it pierced my heart. I can't really explain it. But something about reading that, something about that crazy dude coming to my house and speaking a language that I could understood, in that moment, I began to move from a far off place towards God. And the reason I tell the story over and over is because it was a pivotal moment in my life. So I was blown away. I literally had zero memory of any other interaction that we had had. And I'm going through this box of letters, and I keep finding these letters from Craig. 
And the information in the letters was really personal. He actually told me uh, parts of his story from his teenage years. And what he said to me was really gentle. It was really funny. And all in it was this calling me back. And if I could think of one word to sum up the letters that I found from Craig in the old box, it would be this word, mercy. There was just so much mercy in it. I just couldn't believe as I began to think about this guy who's probably younger than me now, who mustered up the courage when he pulled in the driveway to just go into the house. And then he kept sending letter after letter after letter to me. And in the letter were just lines like, hey, man, we'd love to have you back. I understand where you're at. I've been there. We're saving your spot. All this stuff, it was just so full of mercy. In the Bible, mercy's talked about in two different ways. There's really kind of two uh, angles that mercy comes at in the Bible. And one is the mercy is like compassion. There's this thing that people do that's merciful. They write letters to someone who's far off. They drive to their house. They nurse their wounds. They look to the needs of others, and they, they act in a merciful way towards people who are in need of compassion. That's one way that mercy's talked about. The other way that mercy's talked about in the Bible has everything to do with forgiveness, so that kind of mercy is this place where there is one who is desperately needing forgiveness and this other one who can give it. And the only way that they could get from here to here is to show mercy. So this person is a place where they don't deserve anything. They have done the offense, but this other one comes and shows mercy. And then sometimes there's this amazing thing that happens when those two types of mercy, mercy that's full of compassion, going after the ones who's literally wounded, and this mercy that forgives and gives this undeserved grace come together. And when those things come together, it looks like Jesus. Now, some of you may be just beginning to know Jesus, may just be hearing some of your first stories about Jesus. And one of the best pictures I can paint for you of this beautiful Jesus is this one who shows mercy in a compassionate kind of way that like he will come after you and take care of you and at the same time offer you that one thing that you can't do on your own. There's this really cool story, really cool sermon that we've been looking at in Matthew chapter five and in it we see Jesus' mercy that when he sees the crowds, he stops. I've always thought Jesus could have just kept on going but this is one of those merciful ways that Jesus acted. There's times in the scriptures where it says he had compassion. He had mercy on the people. And so he stopped. That's what happened in Matthew chapter 5. And he began to teach them. And there's this line really right towards the beginning of his teaching where he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Jesus is teaching us the way that mercy works. It's this like uh, beautiful, I've been thinking about it, like this sort of beautiful kind of revolving door of mercy that Jesus is describing, where someone comes holding some mercy in their hands or maybe holding some mercy in their heart, and they begin to push the revolving door, and they go and they offer the mercy. I think I have to spin to do this. And when they get back to right here, somehow they're holding way more mercy They've given away all, the, they took all their mercy through the door, but when they came back, they were holding more mercy. You see, mercy breeds mercy. 
If you give mercy, you get mercy. If you show compassion to someone, you should expect compassion to come back to you. If you want forgiveness, you should forgive the other person. If you nurse someone else's wounds, you will find your own wounds being healed. It's like Craig was like, doggone it, I know he's 17 years old, but I'm going to his house and you know, the heck with it, I'm going in the house because he's just got the mercy thing working and he's pouring it out upon the one who was far away. The world will lie to you about this. You see, the evil one has all kinds of clever tricks to, to, to say that what I'm talking about right now doesn't make sense. You see, what we are taught, what we see over and over and over is, in fact, you should hold on to that, which is good. You should store it up instead of pouring it out. You, you should withhold because that person has withheld from you. But mercy says the opposite of that. Mercy says, no, I'm going to pour it out. The world we're living in is unmerciful. You don't have to look far to see a total lack of mercy, right? We snap and we gripe at each other. We hold grudges and then we hold them even tighter. We think that we're all the way right, which means the other person has to be all the way wrong. And then it gets way worse than that. The world is so unmerciful. We store up food when there are people who are hungry. The abused is groomed to become the abuser. The racist and violent father passes it down to his son. The veteran sleeps on the streets. A child dies because she doesn't have access to clean water. The world is so unmerciful. The world says, you know, might makes right. My way or the highway. Keep up or get out of my way. Well, it's part of my job, one of my favorite parts of my job, to tell you that there's actually a different way. That if you're holding on to anger and resentment right now because that's what's been shown to you throughout your whole life, there is a different way. If you've been told that you have to look out for number one and store all your stuff up, but now you see that your whole soul is being swallowed up by this holding on, there is a different way. If you're living in a place of unforgiveness and you've held it, and you've held it, and you've held it, and you've held it, there's actually a different way. And the way out, the way out of this mess is undeserved, unexpected, undeniable mercy. The only way out of the mess, guys, is mercy. The only way to step out of that place that has held you back is mercy. You know, when Jesus is saying these words that seem so upside down, he's actually trying to show us something. When he says, blessed are those who are poor inside of their spirit, they get heaven. And blessed are those who are mourn, they're actually gonna be comforted. And blessed are the meek, blessed are the humble, they get the promised land. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. What Jesus is saying is, is I have a different way. Actually, what Jesus is really saying is, I am a different way. If we are going to call ourselves Christians by name, we have to understand that putting that name upon us is a way of saying, I have received mercy. I didn't deserve it at all. You should hear my story. You should see my box. I didn't deserve any of this, but I have been given this great mercy. And what, what Jesus begins to show us, well, let me say this to you. Um, I'm not one on predictions, but I'll predict something that won't surprise you because we're already seeing it. As we begin to walk out of this quarantine together, 
there is going to be a great shortage of mercy. It's weird. You would think that we'd have all this goodness stored up. We've been hanging out in our houses, but that's not the case. We barely made it through, right? We extended all the mercy we could to our families, all the mercy we could to our Zoom calls. We've just barely made it through. And now we're going to see the evidence of this great lack of mercy. It's going to seem like mercy is in short supply. And it's going to be incumbent upon the people of God, the people who wear Christ upon their heads and upon their names, to really remember what Jesus said about how mercy can be reintroduced into the world. Jesus is saying to us, the way that mercy is going to come is going to be through you showing it. It's going to be through us actually giving mercy because mercy breeds mercy. And compassion brings more compassion. And forgiveness leads to forgiveness. I want to challenge you, Providence Church, and those who are joining us, to begin thinking about how much mercy you're willing to extend, how much mercy you're willing to carry. It's going to be a lot, and that's where my bucket comes in. Some weeks ago, God gave me this image of a bucket filled with mercy. Not a little bit, not a little cup, not a little bit of grace, but a whole bucket full of grace or filled with mercy. And I've been trying, I'll emphasize that word, trying, to carry a big bucket of mercy everywhere I've gone during this time, which hasn't been that many places. <laughs> the test is coming now. Will I be willing to, to carry a big bucket of mercy and pour that out on the people who come before me? Instead of thinking, what's their problem? Just think, I'm going to extend mercy. I'm going to extend grace. One reason it's really important for me to hold a big bucket of mercy, maybe you don't need to, is because in the Bible, the people that Jesus actually talked the most about mercy to in the most emphatic ways were the guys like me and the gals like me, the ones who were thought of to be religious. On more than one occasion, when the religious people were just thinking about the rules and thinking about the way Jesus was kind of pushing against the normal way that religious people did stuff, Jesus said, why don't you go and find out what God meant when he said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You see, one of the old scriptures from the people of faith was a time that God said, here's what I desire from you religious people, from you people of God. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. What he was saying in that is, as people uh, like me who are religious can get so caught up in, you know, doing the stuff and doing the religious things and thinking we're great because we did something and made a sacrifice before God and won't God think we're great? And God does think we're great, but what he's saying, what I actually desire is mercy. And so my challenge to you, Providence Church, is that we come into this time and we do not mimic the world we do not uh, put on the same ways as an unmerciful uh, culture out there, but instead we start carrying around these big buckets of mercy filled to the brim. And when we encounter people who are, who are maybe not in the best mood, we pour out mercy upon them. And do you know what's gonna happen when you start pouring mercy out in your life? A whole bunch of mercy's gonna get poured on top of you. Because Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. There's a different way that Jesus is offering. It's one of the best things that I get to share with you. And some of you are really in need of a, of a different way. Jesus' different way says, if you're poor on the inside, if you're feeling empty right now, Jesus says, I have heaven for you. 
If you're mourning, you're grieving, deep loss, like that's your thing right now is mourning and and loss. Jesus' way is saying, I have comfort for you. If you feel low, if you feel meek, if you feel humble, Jesus is saying, I'm leading you into a promised land. If, If you're hungering for something right now, like right now you know like I'm hungering for the right thing. I'm hungering to see the right thing. Jesus' way is that you will be filled. So many of us, last week I saw uh, hungering and thirsting for the right thing with the murder of Ahmad Arbery. So many of us felt this deep ache inside of us, a hunger, a thirst for what? For the right thing. And if we're not careful, we'll think, we'll think that that hunger and thirst is just an emptiness inside of us. And yet, We grieve that alongside because Ahmad is our neighbor, our son, our brother. And as we grieve that and we hunger and we thirst, it's in that place that Jesus comes with a different way and fills us. And there's no accident that the connection between hunger and thirst for righteousness goes right into this desire for us to extend the mercy. It makes no sense. And yet as we become the ones who show mercy, we receive mercy ourselves. There is a different way. And some of us are in a place right now where we know I need a different way. And I wonder if today there are folks, you know, sitting on the couch or wherever you're listening to this and you know, I can't do another day of withholding myself from God. I can't do another day of of feeling far off. I can't do another day of rejection. And what I want to say to you is that when you come to God in that spirit, here's what you'll find. Big old bucket of mercy poured over your head. Undeniable, undeserved, unexpected forgiveness. And so I'm gonna speak to you right now just if if you're that person who knows in your heart, I need Jesus. I need Jesus today. I, I want a different way in my life. I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me, just kind of a first-time prayer. I'm going to pray it too, but you'll see it on the screen. And you can just say these words with me if you're wanting to make the decision to follow Jesus with your life. Pray this prayer with me. It says, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus who has forgiven all my sins. Right now, I place my trust in you. I believe in you. I receive your mercy. I receive your grace. I receive your love. I choose today to live my life for you. Thank you for saving me. Amen. And I want to speak to those of you who may be in a place where you know that you need to turn back to God. You've prayed a prayer like that before, but you know that now you're in a spot. God's been preparing, it for, preparing you for this time to recommit your life to you, to say yes to God again. If that's you, I invite you to pray this prayer with me, just a simple prayer that will be on the screen. God, today I return to you. I have felt far away from you, but I hear you calling to my heart. Forgive me, Lord. I turn away now from things I have chased after, and today I chase after you. Thank you for your love. I receive your mercy. Amen. If you're at home now and you've made a commitment to Christ, and you may say, I don't even know exactly what all that means, I invite you right now to text say yes to 31996 or on our website, uh, click the thing that will allow you to say yes to Jesus. It'll allow one of us to follow up with you, a pastor to check in with you. I believe that many people uh, today have made the most important decision they've ever made and that now we can set forth in a, in a new way of living for Jesus and living in his way.
that youth group that I was in when I was a teenager was at a church called St. Paul's United Methodist Church. And we had a tradition that a lot of United Methodist churches had in youth in those days. And we would end our time together on Sunday nights the same way every time, praying the same prayer. We would actually stand, you know, middle school and high school students, hold hands, and we would say this same prayer over and over. It's an old blessing that comes from the book of Numbers, chapter 6. And it just says this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. What I didn't know when I was a teenager is that we were blessing each other and receiving blessing at the same time. What I didn't realize is I was getting myself into a pattern that even when I tried to get away from it, God would call me back. That the blessing that we give is also the blessing that we get. That as we begin to forgive others, we can receive forgiveness ourselves. And yes, as we carry big old buckets of mercy out into this unmerciful world, and we begin to pour it out and pour it out and pour it out, what we find is that the mercy comes pouring out on us.